I want to begin reading in verse 8, and we're going to be reading about the story of uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And, and this is um, what, we, what we see is it talks about Zacharias specifically. And it says in verse 8, And so it was that while he, Zacharias, was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. But then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, appeared to Zacharias, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Hallelujah. God, I just love you and I thank you. God, for you making a way. God, for you preparing the hearts of the people, God, for what you desire to do. Not just in the day of Zacharias and Elizabeth, but God, in 2020, that God, that you are still about the business of preparing a way. And so, God, we just ask for you to touch our hearts and minds in these next few moments. God, as we dive into and, oh, Lord, are encouraged and challenged through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. A few moments ago, Tina was referencing uh, when she was, we were expecting David and I'll never forget that time period of when that we were expecting, whether it was David or whether it was John Eric. And one of my favorite things in that time period uh, was being able to uh, place my hands on uh, Tina's belly and to feel um, the baby move, to feel uh, and to sometimes uh, even see the, the contour begin to uh, shift and, and begin to, you could see the baby moving inside of the womb. And, and in, that, in those kinds of moments, we would kind of talk about there, especially uh, later on in that last trimester, and, and you would see some things, you know, shifting and moving as the baby would turn or twist. And we would kind of talk about and make the analogy of it's like there's this alien that's trying to get out. And, and, uh, and, and so we had lots of fun uh, and just enjoying uh, being able to see that miracle of life and in that step and in that stage. And it's with that kind of thought process that I think about this idea of what it is 
when we are expecting God to do something. In that time period, when we're uh, when uh, when Tina was expecting uh, the birth of David, or we were expecting the birth of John Aaron, uh, those were times that were filled with such excitement and such hope and such joy. And then it's with that kind of understanding that I am, am identifying uh, with what ultimately is going to be happening in Zacharias and Elizabeth's life. When we think about expecting, my question for us as we enter into this Christmas season, the question for us to answer is, what are we expecting of God? Oh, you see, because one of the things that we understand from this passage and what we understand about God is that, is that there is this idea that expecting always is going to birth hope. When we are expecting, expecting births hope. Think about that for just a moment. But when we have this idea of, uh, of this coming expecting and this excitement, uh, there is this idea sometimes that the unknown kind of gets a bad rap. Uh, you know, I, we can drive our theology from a lot of uh, different contexts, and certainly the Bible is the one supreme authority. But let me just share with you um, the theology according to the Hallmark movie that I watched this week, okay? It's a real deep spiritual moment here, okay? And there was this conversation between, you know, the lead. Uh, you know, it's, it's a Hallmark movie, so there's always going to be a, a romance involved. So it was the leading guy and the leading lady, and they weren't yet uh, dating. Uh, but you knew that's where the story was going to out, come out to. And, and, I, and I grabbed a hold of this line that... Uh, the woman said to the guy, and because he was talking about the, the unknown and, and how scary the unknown is. And, and I think about this in terms of expecting because she said this. She said, you know, I think the unknown sometimes gets a bad reputation. Because it's, the unknown is not just about being fearful of what the bad things are, but the, uh, the unknown means that there's a lot of promise that is contained within the unknown. There's deep thoughts from Hallmark movies this week. And I began to really think about that and, and, I, and how true of a statement that that is. That within the unknown, there is this hope, there is this promise. And when we are expecting, we are filled with hope. I'll never forget those days when and leading up to and expecting the birth of David. We're preparing the nursery, we're painting, we're putting up a chair rail, we're buying baby furniture. And we have such an expectancy of promise, such an expectancy of hope that we cannot let go of. And so that I want us to be reminded and to understand that expecting is going to birth hope. Zacharias and Elizabeth had been wanting a child, but she had been barren. They were not able to have a child. And so in this moment, in the promise and the showing up of the angel and the declaration that they're going to have a son and they're going to name him John, in this moment there was going to be a hope that was birthed in their hearts and in their spirits. And this morning I ask us, what are we expecting from God? Because if we're expecting something from God, we will have hope. Yeah. And the moment that we stop expecting God to do things is the moment that we lose our hope. And when we lose our hope, it is there that we understand, oh, that God, oh, is all that we can hold on to. They were expecting, the people of Israel were expecting a Messiah. 
And within this promise, we saw there in verse 17, we see this expecting a Messiah. And it says, talking about John, that he's going to go before him in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And he's going to be able to take the disobedient of the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias and Elizabeth would have known the excitement and they would have experienced an excitement and a hope not just for them, oh, but for the entire nation of Israel. They would have had this expectancy and this idea that, oh my goodness, everything that we've been looking forward to, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Savior of our people, He is now at hand. He's now on the horizon. And so the announcement of them expecting brought about it a hope. Oh, you see, I want us to ask ourselves as we look ahead we want to think about what it is that we're expecting. If we look backwards, we can be discouraged and we can be depressed because 2020 has been one of those years. I, I love the commercial that's out right now. They have, the guy has a mug that gives a rating of what the year 2020 is a five-star rating. And believe me, on the commercial, the mug, the 2020 gets a one-star and not a five-star. Yeah, some would say it should get no stars. But if we look back, and that's all we're mindful of, then where's our hope? Our hope is not in what has happened. Our hope is in what we look ahead and expect for. Romans 8.25 says it this way, But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. For an expectant mom, those nine months can seem interminable, can't they? <laughs> they, there is, we're ready. We're ready to have that bundle of joy, that bundle of hope in our arms as parents. And, and so, but we have to wait for it and we eagerly await for it with perseverance. And I want to challenge us this morning that as we look to finish out 2020 and we look into 2021, let us make sure that we are oh, allowing there to be an expectancy within us and allowing that expectancy to bring about a hope and that we are waiting with perseverance and that we can join the psalmist as he says in Psalm 39 and verse 7. It says, and now now, Lord, what is it that I wait for? Because my hope is in you this morning. Our hope is not in anything that is man-made. Our hope is not anything that we can do or say. Our hope is not in anything that we figure out. But rather, our hope this morning, as it always has been and always will be, is in God and God alone. Oh, and this morning, we don't have to look ahead with anticipation of a coming Messiah. But we can come on this last Sunday of November... And we can say, oh, praise God. Oh, we know the Messiah has come. The Messiah has brought life. The Messiah has brought redemption. The Messiah has brought salvation to you and I. And because of that, we can have hope this morning. Amen. And so, not only do we know that expecting births hope, but we know that testimonies share Now, it's an interesting thing that what happens in the ongoing conversation here between Zacharias and Gabriel. And it says that what happened is that Zacharias begins to question Gabriel. How in the world can this be? 
verse 20, this is what the angel says to Zacharias. But behold, you will be mute and not be able to speak until the day that these things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And all of a sudden, the doubt within Zacharias' mind and heart becomes a part of the consequence that he cannot speak for what's going to be at least a nine-month period. Why? Because God understands this is more than just, quote-unquote, a punishment to Zacharias. But there is the understanding that there is the power of life and death in the tongue. What we speak is contagious. Proverbs 18.21 says it this way in the Amplified Version. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it and indulge it will eat its fruit and bear the consequences of their words. Life and death are in the power of what we speak. And so, obviously, none of us want to be guilty of speaking death So how do we speak life? You see, we need to share the testimonies that God has given to us. Luke chapter 1, later on in our story of of, of Zacharias and Elizabeth, and, and when John was born, it says this in verses 57 and verse 58. And it says that Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered, and she brought forth a son when her neighbors and relatives... Heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. And I love this picture that this is an example of where, uh, quote unquote, the gossip line is a good thing. Gossip's not a good thing. But sharing what God has done is always a good thing. That here it is, put verse 58 back up there for just a moment. That she had all of a sudden been able to neighbors and the relatives heard. In order for them to have heard what God had done and the mercy that God had shown them, all of a sudden we realized that someone had to have spoken about it. And I'll go ahead and tell you, it wasn't Zacharias. He's mute. He can't speak. So that means Elizabeth was not quiet about what it is that God had done in her life. That all the years of praying and believing for a child now all of a sudden came to fulfillment. That God had ordained this moment And I want us to be reminded this morning that what we speak is contagious. If we're speaking fear, if we're speaking uh, hysteria, if we're speaking negativity, then guess what we are speaking into existence in our life and in our family and around us? 
Oh, we are emphasizing this coming in the series, a family Christmas. And I want us to be reminded this morning that in our families in 2020, we need to be careful and conscientious about what it is that we are proclaiming and saying to one another in their lives. Despite all of the madness and the negativity and the hatefulness that we see out in the world, that we as believers, that we as men and women of God are making a stand and being able to be declaring that God, your goodness is greater than anything that I have ever had come into my life. You see, so we've got to be speaking hope. God didn't want Zacharias to be speaking the doubt and sharing and spreading the doubt that he had been dealing with in his life. Let me just uh, share with you as we're going to talk about, if we're going to talk about testifying, let me just testify for just a moment as a church body. Yesterday, Kenneth and Tanya Bond were in a, uh, driving down the road in the, in, their, in the truck. Someone pulled out in front of them. Boom, a major accident took place. And in that moment, Kenneth was texting me after all of this. We were, he sent me a picture of the front of his truck. And do you want to know the point of impact that absorbed? Because Kenneth and Tanya, although they are banged up, no bones are broken. And for the most part, they're okay. So we praise God for that. On the front of Kenneth's truck, if you've ever seen it, you know what I'm talking about. He has one of those, uh, not a state license plate, but just a, a fun or truth license plate in this case. And it says Jesus, and the middle S on Jesus is the Superman emblem. And that license plate, you can tell, absorbed the brunt of the accident. And so here we have this word picture of Jesus literally protecting Kenneth and Tanya in the middle of a car accident. We testify of God's protective protection. As you know, COVID has been on an uptick recently. Many families have been impacted in our church over the last month in particular. This past week, uh, Danny and Sally Pruitt uh, were diagnosed with COVID. If you know Sally's medical background, you know that she is definitely one of those that falls into the uh, risk factor because of the other uh, conditions and things that she deals with. Yesterday, she was having a, a crisis, physical crisis because of COVID. And so Danny took her to the hospital. And I want to share with you the, what I got, what I received as an appraise report. I was talking with them yesterday. And this is what I received as a follow-up even this morning. Sally says, I just want to give a praise report. It had to be prayer yesterday because this was definitely a God thing. I could not even stand up on my own power to get in the car. It was scary enough that Millie asked Danny, am I going to die? She was scared. 
The doctor told me when I got to the hospital that I was going to be admitted and be in the hospital for a few days. After being in the hospital for three hours, receiving IV and receiving medicine, the doctor came back in and said, you are doing so incredibly well, you are well enough and we're sending you home. So this morning, Sally is testifying of God's touch and God's power upon her life. Continue to be remembering them. This past week, on Friday, Tommy McGee was at home post-Thanksgiving, and all of a sudden, his heart began to race. Betty took him to the hospital, and, uh, and she wanted me to share this story with you this morning. Tommy's heartbeat when he got to the hospital, I believe, if I understood right, when she first got there, it was 100, beating around about 180 beats a minute. By the time I got to Betty on talking to her on the phone, they'd already started treatment and medicine, and the heart rate had come down to around 145 beats a minute. Began to, we began to pray together, me on the phone with Tommy and Betty in the emergency room, and within seconds of us praying for healing and saying amen. All of a sudden, I hear Betty begin to cry and begin to give God praise because just like that, his heart rate went from 145 down to 70. The doctor came running in. They were getting ready to shock his heart back into rhythm. The doctor said, I can't explain what happened. You know what Miss Betty said? I do. It's called prayer. And the doctor said, we can do what we can do, but prayer is the most important thing. A week ago Friday, Miss Bonnie was at work when all of a sudden she collapsed. Doctors... Like she got to the hospital, they took her to Greenville. Doctors say that she had a blood clot in the brain. In those early moments, she could not speak, did not have use of her left side of her, of her body. They began the process and the treatment, and last Sunday we were able to share about the turnaround, and we were giving God praise. And I just want you to know, Miss Bonnie, how proud it is to testify that you are in church this morning, a week after an episode where you should not have survived. Testify. What has God done? Because what happens in this moment is testifying. It shares hope. Y'all... Y'all heard the, the list that, of all the names that uh, Pastor Josh read. And, and I'll go ahead and tell you, that's not even all the prayer requests that are on our list. But that is the reality of where our church family and our community is at right now. There are people who are scared. They are sick. They are hurting. And what happens when we testify, it shares hope. 
And if Elizabeth can share the testimony of what God did in her life and be able to conceive John the Baptist, oh, then how much more hope can the people around us have when we tell them about God healing Bonnie or God touching Tommy McGee? Oh, how much more hope can there be? Oh, when Billy Powell is needing a touch in his physical heart and needing a, a God to do something great. Oh, well, I want you to tell I want you to tell your daddy, Todd. Oh, about what God did in Tommy's life. Because if Tommy's heart can be touched by God, I know that Billy Powell's heart can be touched by God. And we get to come this morning and we need to encourage one another with the testimonies of God's healing, of God's protection, and of God's hand upon our lives. And when we do, we are sharing hope. And we are able to be a part of other people looking around and saying they can rejoice with us. And they can say, God, oh, if you've done that for them, oh, will you just Give me just but a touch of that in my life. Oh, you see, it's Romans 12, 12 that says that we rejoice in that hope and that we are patient even in the tribulation. Oh, and we are continuing steadfastly in prayer. Oh, we share with one another. We encourage one another. We testify one to another. Oh, and then we can join the psalmist as he says in verse in Psalm 43 and verse 5. Oh, why are you cast down, oh my soul? Why are you disquieted? within me and he gives the answer oh hope in God for I will still yet praise him the help of my countenance and my God it is here that we realize God oh we our hope is in you and in nothing else Oh, and that we can share through the testimony of what God has done and allow that hope to be contagious. If there's nothing else, oh, that needs to ring out of Christmas in 2020, it is a spirit and an atmosphere of hope. Oh, let us be able to put into practice and bring to life, oh, the words of the Christmas carol. Oh, that says the thrill of hope has come. Let us come this morning. Let us come this Christmas season and let us spread hope to a world that is confused, that is lost, that is searching for answers. We have the answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Give God praise this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to you, God. Hallelujah. Testimonies. Testimony shares hope. Not only does expectancy birth hope, not only does testimony share hope, the anointing brings the hope. If you go back and you look beginning of Luke chapter 1, you see the background of Zacharias and Elizabeth. That both of them come from the tribe of Levi, the priestly homes. Zacharias, it gives his division. Elizabeth declared out of the line of Aaron. And so both of them come out of preachers' homes. They're PKs. And here's Zacharias is serving as a priest in the temple. Amen. 
both destined by God to be used in his service. Both being anointed in that way. I shared a few moments ago about Zacharias being mute for nine months. John is born and the people around them begin to say, well, aren't you going to name him Zacharias after his dad? And Elizabeth says, no, we're going to name him John. And the people are kind of confused and they're, they're balking at that. Y'all have been in those situations where you say, this is how we're going to do things, especially when it comes to parenting or marriage. And all ten people around you are going to give you ten different opinions about what's right and what's wrong about what you just said. Y'all can nod. It's okay. We've all been there in one way or another. They all look at Elizabeth and say, you can't do that. You don't even have anybody in your family that's named John. Zacharias is present in the room, still mute. He motions for the stone tablet. They give it to him, and he writes, his name is John. And it says that the people were amazed, and they marveled at the fact that Zacharias and Elizabeth were on the same page. Of course, the reason they were on the same page is because they were on God's page of what God had directed them. Immediately after writing that, this is... What we see in verse 65, I'm gonna, in Luke chapter 1, it says, All fell upon the whole neighborhood, not just a few people, the whole neighborhood. And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. Let me put this in our context. So this would be like saying that something happened, that this took place, and all Livonia knew and before you knew it, all of Northeast Georgia knew about it. Definitely made Facebook and Instagram. And everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, What will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way. And it is here that we understand and recognize a hope that comes through the anointing of God on John the Baptist's life. This family that was called by God to serve in their capacities. John the Baptist who was anointed. And here it is that the anointing and the power of God are revealed through Zacharias, through Elizabeth, through John the Baptist, that it brings hope to the people. They didn't know what was happening. They didn't know what God was going to do. Oh, but they recognized a special godly intervention and a godly anointing upon them. Now, we're talking in this series in terms of Family, And I want you to know that as a family unit, God has anointed you as in whatever your family unit looks like. God has anointed you to proclaim Jesus Christ in your own way. 
You may not be called to stand behind a pulpit, and that's okay. You may not be called to teach a Sunday school class. You may not be called to become a missionary. But that does not remove us out of the responsibility or away from the responsibility and the calling that God has placed upon every single one of our lives to be anointed and used by God in his kingdom. And here's the cool thing that happens with that. Is that when we as individuals and we we as individuals accept and function and operate in that calling and then we kind of come together. If, If I had a calling on my life and Tina did not, that would be a tension getter right there. But the fact that I'm operating in the calling and the anointing that God has placed upon my life and Tina is functioning and operating in the calling and the anointing that God has placed on her life so that when we come together as a husband and wife, God is able to dynamically increase his impact for the kingdom of God. And guess what happens when anointed families start connecting one with another? You know what we call that, don't you? We call it the church. When anointed families become connected one to another, all of a sudden that same exponential impact and increase that can go from being uh, uh, just... A loner to being part of a family that is called in that to then increase to being able to be a part of connecting family to family. Oh, all of a sudden now within the church, what happens to the anointing and the impact? You see, because the church, specifically the church family, there's a reason that we refer to ourselves here at Livonia Church of God as a church family. It's not just a slogan. It's not just a cliche. Oh, but it's because we are partnered together with love and calling and anointing. And one of the things that I have hated the most through this entire season of 2020 is that we have felt disjointed because of the circumstances that we have been dealt. But I want us to know this morning that God is able to do great and mighty things. That we are still a family, even if we haven't seen each other each and every week. Pause just a moment. I want you, don't get up, don't move around, but just turn around and I want you to look at the others that are in this room this morning. You can wave, that's fine. You can wave at them if you've seen someone that you haven't seen in a while. I want you to look around and I want you to look at one another's faces. Because we've been doing the two services, there are some people that are in the room this morning that they, you've been coming to church, they've been coming to church, but you haven't seen each other because you've been coming to different services. Our office, most common question probably in the last six months, has so-and-so still been coming to church? Because I haven't seen him. Those are good questions because we're wanting to check up on one another. That's not a bad, that's a good thing. But in this season right now, 
we are coming back together until further notice in one service. But now with that, I want you to understand that that takes diligence on your part. Because the only way that we can continue to operate with one service is us continuing to be as safe as we possibly can. And if it's not for you to be safe, think of it as keeping everybody else safe. I am so proud that while we have had a number of families that have been dealing with COVID, we have done all of the contact tracing, we've done all of those things. And I can say with confidence that not a single person has caught COVID from coming to church. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Not a single one. And part of the reason we are able to say that is because of the measures that we have in place. And so I implore you to continue in that. Now, the anointing. The anointing brings hope. And when the anointing is able to operate and to function, we have to understand that the anointing is able to bring hope because it breaks the yoke of bondage. Hurting? Come sit in anointing. It's not just here in the sanctuary. Understand what I'm saying. Oh, but this is one place where that anointing, we believe, dwells and, and, and functions. Why? Because when anointed families come together, they're the anointing. You need hope. Dwell in the anointing. Call upon the power of God to be poured out upon your life. You see, we as a church family, we minister together. We minister to one another. We minister in the anointing. We need one another. And, and, and we come this morning. I am reminded of Romans chapter 5. And it says this in verse 2. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. <laughs> and not just that, but we also glory in tribulations. Time out. We're going to rejoice in tribulation? That is not easy to do. And if for no other reason, we need to be able to be connected one to another to find the encouragement and the hope of knowing those testimonies that exist. To know that together there's an expectation that's going to bring about hope in our lives. And so that we can come together so that we can glory even in tribulations. Because why? Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And then perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. Now, in verse 5, hope does not disappoint. Let me say that again. Hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts.
by the Holy Spirit who has given to us Christ in our place. We'll leave verse 5 up there for just a moment. Hope does not disappoint. Each week in this series, we're going to be looking at family and family aspect in the Christmas story, connecting it to our own families, and also connecting it to an aspect or a word that we connect with Christmas. This week, hope. Hope does not disappoint. Because why? The love of God has been poured out in your hearts, in my heart, in all our hearts. He's been poured out in our hearts. By who? By the Holy Spirit. What do we, we want to make a, uh, sometimes we make uh, spiritual terms so much more complicated than they need to be. Anointing and the anointing. Sometimes we think about it as like some abstract, okay, the anointing is all wrapped up in the anointing oil. Or the anointing is all about the pastor, but no. You see, the anointing is all about God, His power, His Holy Spirit being poured out upon us and in our lives. And it's in that moment that we realize that if the Holy Spirit is pouring out love, His love, into our lives, guess what? We're automatically going to have an anointing. And that anointing is bringing forth hope. And that hope is not going to disappoint. Why? Hope because it is Christ Jesus who is the one who sent the comforter. It is Christ Jesus who lives and dwells within us. It is the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, that brings us to this place of knowing that no matter what tribulation I'm dealing with, that God, you are greater. And there's always something bigger and better and greater to look ahead to. Oh, Psalm 31 and verse 24 says, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. All you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 71 1 and 14 says, I will hope continually and I will praise you yet more and more. Psalm 119 and 114 says, God, you are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. As the musicians and the praise team come. What area of your life do you need hope this morning? In what area do you need God to move and bring that hope to you? Is it your family? Is it your body? What are the things that weigh heavy in your mind and heart? This morning, if you will stand with me, I pray that you are encouraged through the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth and the coming of John the Baptist. Because their situation seemed pretty hopeless. Until Zacharias goes into the holy place 
at the altar of incense and God meets him there. God wants to meet you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. No one looking around this morning. Would you say, Pastor, I need hope in the middle of a hopeless situation. Actually, would you just lift up your hand this morning? Thank you. Thank you for all those hands. And this morning, I want to remind you that if you raised your hand or you didn't, and you should have, the hope that we have in God does not disappoint. And so this morning, I pray that you are expecting God to do something great and mighty. And that in your expectations of God, there will be the birthing of hope. And I pray that God will send other people into your lives to share testimonies and that will share hope and give that hope to you. And that in that process, that God, as you meet him around that holy place, in that altar of incense, where they would offer up prayers on behalf of the nation of Israel, that, oh, that God will encounter you there and anoint you and anoint your life because it is in that anointing and in the power of the Holy Spirit that he's able to speak hope. So if you raised your hand and you didn't, or you should have, I want to invite you to pray. You can come and, and, and safely distance yourself from one another and pray and find here at this altar a, a place of hope, a place of refreshing, a place of being able to know that God has not forgotten you. And so if that's you this morning, as I pray, I want you to step out and I want you to encounter him and allow that hope to be poured out upon your life, upon your family, upon your circumstance. God, right now, we just come before you and that God, that we just magnify you. We call upon you. And that we say that God, we need your hope. We need your truth. We need you, God. Oh, and so Lord, I pray for encounters this morning. Encounters with your spirit. Encounters with your presence. God, encounters to be able to come and to know that hope is upon us, Lord. We love you, God. We exalt you, Lord. We praise you, God. Oh, Lord, we need you. We need your touch. We need your anointing. We need your expectancy, God. In Jesus, Jesus' name, hallelujah.